Hey guys, in today's episode, I talk with Jess of Mamas in Training podcast. It is a top 1% podcast globally, and Jess shares all about her long medical journey and advocacy and how that led to eight years of not being able to even attempt to try to be open to conception. And so she took a really proactive and positive spin by creating Mamas in Training. And she interviews parents on their journey. And if they could look back, what they would do or share with those that are coming after them to prepare for a better pregnancy, birth, and parenting journey. So get excited. This episode and Jess and her podcast are simply amazing. I'm so happy she was here with me today. Let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Okay, just a little something before we get started today. And that is, what happens if you don't take Birth Story Academy? So like, let's say you're pregnant. That's why you're listening to the Birth Story podcast. And you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like... Do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? What about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen, like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports and do you want an epidural? I don't know, do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions, pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition, and like we get into it. We make birth plans, we do birth visions, we listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations. And like at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's going to happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences, how to take care of your baby. So I guess what I'm getting at is if you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan, right? Like I want to be your teacher. I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through 
all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. Like I'm going to teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger, with some confidence, like wash that anxiety away because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy and you are ready to crush that birth, right? Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. Hey, Jess Lorian, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. Thank you so much. I have to say too, before we start, it's really a complete honor to be here. Um, I've been a fan and listening to Birth Story for a really long time. And I feel like we have a similar connection to birth, birth stories, and just like feeling like we were meant to do this. I know that that's how you feel. Um, And so, yeah, so I I just feel a kindred spirit in you. So I just wanted to let you know that. Yeah. (laughs) And and you guys, like Jess and I had to like cancel and navigate and and here we are. And I just told Jess, like purely authentically, you guys, I just finished well, it's like 10 in the morning and I've already been to the book fair at school, met up with all the like parents, registered my kids for a swim team, which they've never done anything like athletic in their lives, gotten a pool membership, spent all morning at Lowe's, built a garden and built a fence. And it's 10 I mean, 30. Mama goals. Hashtag mama goals. <laughs> yeah. But what I didn't do is prepare for Jess's interview. So, so I know real and raw it is. And I know like not that much. And so I'm going to literally be asking you all these questions that I don't know the answers to. And I do have, I love, cause Jess sent me some questions to ask her in advance. And so I'm really excited to go through some of those questions too. So Jess, let's start at the very beginning. This is not a birth story episode. This is an expert interview. And Jess is a fellow podcaster with a top one and a half percent globally, which beats me in the birth story podcast. It does. I have a top 5% podcast globally. So top one and a half percent is ginormous. So we're with a legend. So let's hear all about it. Jess, can you tell us who you are? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be called an expert because I've struggled with this. So I have my podcast mamas in training, but why I struggle to call myself an expert is that I'm actually not yet a mom. Um, And that's kind of the whole thing that makes my podcast and everything that I do a little bit unique um, because I, I don't believe there are any other podcasts about motherhood, pregnancy, and birth where the host is not yet a mom. Um, And so I'll get into a little bit more of why I did that, but essentially um, the, the long and short of me is I've been married this year for four. Well, I've been married for five years this year, but with my husband for 14 years, We live in New York City, and in addition to being a podcast host and creator, I'm also an actor, voiceover artist. Um, I've traveled the country in national tours, performing in theaters. I've been in commercials, and I pursue TV and film and all kinds of stuff. So sort of multi-hyphenate, but I've always, like I mentioned in the beginning, just had this desire to learn about pregnancy and birth. I just always feel called to it. I'll, I'll actually tell you one quick little story. Yeah, please. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, I got this text from a family member 
And I don't know what it was. Like the family member was not even anywhere, like in insinuating anything. It was just about getting together as a family. And I turned to my husband and I said, they're pregnant. And he was like, what? What do you mean? And I was like, I don't know what it is. It's just some sort of intuition, but they're pregnant. And if I don't tell you that I know this, then no one's going to believe me. And sure enough, I went to visit them just recently and they made their announcement. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. So yes, I just, I just, I don't know. I feel this connection to women and to motherhood and of course to babies. Yeah. Jess, if anyone listens to the podcast has read the book, the intro, I have that same thing going on that you have, which is that like, it's the craziest thing, but I'm very connected to the womb. And it's like, if there is a little soul in there, it's like, I get these whispers and these prompts in advance. It's been like this since I was a child. I have no other uh, premonitions about anything, right? Yeah. Like nothing. Uh, but I've always really kind of been able to predict, but not really predict, like with a knowing yeah. when I'm in the presence of someone, even if I'm talking to them on the phone and they're carrying a baby, it's the craziest thing. Crazy. So I totally get that. It's part of the intro to the book on why I became a doula. And Jess, mama's in training. I, like I could have gone back to the world of like mama's in training 2005 when I became a birth doula, not a mo- as a mom. A mom. And exactly. I practiced for 10 years mm-hmm. as a doula, as the expert in birth when I had never been pregnant and never given birth. And, you know, any one of my dual clients would say she was amazing. We couldn't have imagined being trained by someone who had given birth. And, you know, and now I have been blessed after a, a fertility journey with two children in my late 30s. And, um, you know, the way I practiced didn't change. So, I mean, things about me changed, but the art, the womanly art of nurturing and caring for another woman, that's just how we're born, some of us. It's an instinct. So I want to hear more about, how old are you, first of all? I will be 36 next month. Okay, so 36, you're obsessed with birth and pregnancy and all things (laughs) parenting, You've been with your hubs for 14 years. I'm going to like go out on a limb and be super careful with my words. But I, are you like obsessed with birth just because you're obsessed with it? Or like, do you have a desire to be a mom? Oh yeah, I will be a mom. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So take me on this journey then. How does like, cause people ask me all the time, how did you become a doula when you hadn't even given birth or been pregnant? And I have yeah. a story. So how did you start a top 1% global podcast on training moms when your own parenthood journey hasn't begun yet? Back in 2011. So I mentioned I was a theater performer and an actor, and I had been in the midst of getting a ton of auditions, like coming really close to some really big dream opportunities. I was under a lot of stress. Not quite sure if that's sort of what led to everything, but I started to notice a few spots on my skin. And to be honest, I live in New York City. 
I thought it was bed bugs at the time. And my best friend had actually flown in from Cal- uh, Chicago and was sleeping with me in my bed because we were going to all these auditions together for two weeks and she didn't have anything on her body. And so I'm thinking, it can't be bed bugs, you know, what's going on? So I ended up going to get it checked out, um, got a biopsy and turns out I was diagnosed with psoriasis. Well, I ended up, thank God, getting uh, blessed to be have the opportunity to be on the national tour of beauty and the beast. That was a two-year contract. So I signed up to go on the road, went on the road, traveled all over the United States and Canada. But as I was traveling and performing and doing something that I loved more than anything, I simultaneously was exploding (laughs) my body. I had psoriasis completely after a year cover my body from the head to toe. And I was in so much pain. Uh, and I, and I was wearing these costumes and people would, you know, the dressers in every single city were very, very sweet, but they would comment, you know, like, Oh, did you get attacked by mosquitoes? What happened to you? All of this stuff. So it was really challenging to kind of overcome how I was feeling. And it was this weird dichotomy of doing the thing that I loved more than anything, getting paid to travel a country and hang out with my friends and dance and sing on stage, but then also have this condition that truly made me feel like a monster. It was, it was awful. Let's so define for the audience psoriasis. Yeah. So I know what it is, but I venture not everyone listening might have any idea what you're talking about. Yeah, essentially in like layman's terms, the cells of your skin overproduce and oftentimes it's caused by some sort of gut stress or something going on in in your gut. And so you end up getting little patches and then if it's severe, it can turn into big patches, which is what happened to me. It was literally like massive patches all over my body, covered head to toe. And this is um, an they, autoimmune condition, correct? Yes, it's an autoimmune condition. And it, it um, they get like red and scaly. And really at the time, the only, you know, there's no cure. So what they do is they just treat the symptoms like everything else. But they gave me a steroid cream. But the condition was so bad that I was putting this steroid cream on my entire body, like body cream, like body butter every morning and every night. And it came to the point that I was on a little bit of a break. We had like a two week off of the, of the tour. And I went to see my dermatologist and he said, uh, you need to stop doing that because you're thinning your skin with this steroid cream and it's really dangerous. And I said, well, there's nothing else that I can do. I was really at a loss and I, I was feeling very uncomfortable. They ended up putting me on a medication it was a biological medication. So I had to inject myself um, and travel around with the medication. It, it was really frustrating because I had to keep it refrigerated and all this stuff. But anyway, I ended up using it. It sort of ended up helping. However, a year after that, I was in LA, I was performing. My husband now at the time, boyfriend at the time came out to visit me and I started developing some pain in my ankles and my feet. And I had just bought a pair of sandals. So I thought, well, it's probably just the sandals. We did a lot of walking around LA. However, it was so painful that the heels that I had to wear for my show were so painful. 
And I had actually in about a year and a half, never called out of a show, meaning I, I never missed performing in a show, but I had to call out. I'll never forget that night. We were in the house that we were, we rented this little like Airbnb house and I couldn't walk to the bathroom to brush my teeth before bed. And my husband literally had to carry me to the bathroom. I was in so much pain and I have a pretty good pain tolerance. It's pretty high. And so he definitely knew that something was going on. So ultimately what ended up happening is I ended up being diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis because I developed arthritis. And, you know, I would say that the medication that I got put on gave me the arthritis. Doctors wouldn't say that, but that's what I say. Either way, I was in so much pain. I ended up finishing out the tour. I had to buy a cane back in New York city because I couldn't walk at all. And it was just way too painful that I decided I have to go home and, and move back in with my parents for six months because I can't live in New York. I need to have someone really like waiting on me hand and foot when I feel like this. And my husband still has to go to work. And so I moved back home and started the process of healing. However, and I'm getting to why <laughs> I, uh, I, I haven't had kids yet. The only option for me at that time, since my case was so severe, was to go on a really, really strong medication that's often used in different types of um, cancer patients, and you have to limit your alcohol. But one of the most severe symptoms of it is you cannot get pregnant. And if you do, you'd have to have an abortion, 100%, no questions asked. So I was on this medication for about eight or so years. And at the time it was okay. I was only about 26, 25, whatever it was. And it wasn't that big of a deal, but as I started, you know, we got married, time went on. I was in my thirties. I was really wanting to start a family. And so I didn't know what that would look like because I would have to be off this medication in order to become pregnant. And I didn't know what was going to happen to my body. And the medication was keeping this autoimmune disorder completely like in remission. Yeah. I mean, completely. I was essentially fine. I mean, I have, I had a little bit of spots here and there on my skin, but I hadn't experienced any pain of my arthritis or anything. So okay. I didn't know whether I was going to come back full force, if I was going to get pregnant and then be like bed bound, you know, I didn't know what would happen. So in that moment, you felt like it was a choice come off the medicine and just get pregnant or yeah. continue on the medication and become a parent in a different way. That was never an option for me. Okay. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but for me, I just always needed, I need to try. Okay. So for you, to. the choice was come off the medicine and try. That was back in 2019. Okay. But I needed a plan. Because for me, I, I knew that my body needed some sort of support in that. So what I ended up doing is um, followed the autoimmune solution diet. It's a specific diet because I thought, well, maybe if I heal myself and make the inside of my body as powerful and strong and healthy as possible, then as the medication I'm weaning off of it, it'll kind of supplement and support the two, you know? Okay. So 
that's what I did. And it's, it was a really, really long journey. I started back in 2019. I went on this really strict diet for probably about six months. And then I slowly, slowly, like when I say slowly, I mean, over years started to wean my way off of, at the time, it was actually two medications that I needed to get off of. And so I was slowly weaning myself off of the medications, um, not knowing, you know, every step of the way, what was going to happen. But the thing is, is like anything in life, I had my why, my why was so clear and I could visually, you know, see myself holding an infant and the way that our life would be with that baby in my arms. And so there was no question that this is what I had to do every step of the way. And while it wasn't easy, it at least made it, you know, possible. And I'm happy to say now, uh, two and a half, three years later, I'm hundred percent medication free and I have no pain. Wow. So how long did they recommend that you had to be off of the medication before attempting a planned pregnancy? Well, their responses varied. At one point I got three months, another point I got six months, another point I got nine months. So after doing a little bit more research, I'd say the most popular answer was between three and six months. So we definitely waited three months before I would even get off my birth control or anything like that. But yeah, it had to completely be out of my system. But the reason why I started Mamas in Training is because when I decided to go on this strict diet and make this my focus to get off my medication, I needed something positive to focus on. And I needed my energy to be like going in the right direction. And simultaneously, all of my girlfriends around my early 30s were getting pregnant and having babies. And so I was surrounded by these birth stories and information. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm soaking up all this stuff. And I was like, well, what if I learn and everything that I learn from moms who've been there, I put it into episodes and share it with other aspiring moms. So that's what I did. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about episode one. Like, so you have this idea, you're like, I'm going to turn this into something positive. And then you've got to launch a podcast and that you have clearly the experience with voice and acting and entertaining that type of thing. But what'd you, what did you choose to launch with? Well, uh, it's funny because yes, I have experience, but I'll tell you when I look back, I knew nothing at the time and I, my podcast has grown so much. So if you go back and listen to episode one, and then you listen to the most recent, like episode one fourteen or whatever it is, they are dramatically different. But, um, what I did is I started with, so primarily my podcast is, uh, interviews because, I'm an expert through learning, but you know, I'm not the one to speak about this. So I have guests on to speak about their experience and what they wish they had known before they became a mom so that we can learn from them. And so I decided to start with my main inspiration and the inspiration from the podcast came one day when I was visiting one of my best girlfriends, Amanda, and she had just had her baby. It was two weeks out. And she was talking about how, when she was pumping or she would breastfeed, she felt really lonely and kind of isolated. And so actually the podcast Mamas in Training originally had a different title and it was called The Pumping Podcast. And its intention was to give moms who were currently pumping or breastfeeding 
something to listen to during that window so that they didn't feel so alone. And that came from my girlfriend, Amanda, because she was like, you know, every time I'm pumping or breastfeeding, I have to go into the second bedroom at my in-laws, or I have to go into this private room at my work. And, you know, it's, it's kind of isolating. So uh, that's how it, it started. And I thought, well, I'm going to interview my best girl. And so I sat down and I chatted with her about her journey of mastitis and what breastfeeding was like and what she thought it would be and what it wasn't. And I just, uh, I, I documented her journey. Very cool. So let's yeah. go. So you have a hundred and you said around 14 episodes. Yeah, I think, I think today is about 114. No, we we're about the same. I think as I'm recording this, I think I'm like around 130 or something. Yeah. So for all those audience members, yes, you can have a podcast in the top one to 5% globally <laughs> with just a hundred episodes. Only 1% of podcasts ever achieve a hundred episodes, which is so cool. So kudos to us for perseverance, right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, I want to know in those 114, what are some of your standout episodes where you, what are the ones that kind of hit you the hardest? There are two that I'll mention Okay. um, that, that really kind of opened my eyes. One of them was ironically with a dad and I don't really have episodes with a dad. I primarily interview women. However, this episode was so eye-opening and is one that is not only important for, I think, the baby-carrying parent, but also the partner to listen to because it's with Ellie Weinstein who in postpartum, he experienced a panic attack. And it was essentially because he never really diagnosed and went through and uncovered the feelings that he was experiencing during his wife's pregnancy and then subsequent birth. So in episode 106, it's called what about dads and how your parent, how your partner could silently be suffering. And I think very often as women, we tend to, you know, we're the ones or whoever is carrying the baby. We're the ones experiencing this physically. And so all of this, you know, trauma and, and, and work is happening to us and our bodies, but we really have to be aware of the fears that our partner might be going through. And if we don't open up that means of communication and ask our partner what they could be actually going through, then they could be bearing things down below and, and it could explode in front of us in the future. Um, so that was really eye-opening to me in episode 106. I have several partners right now that are just popping in my mind where I heard from the birthing person like six weeks later or a month later or three months later about these panic attacks and just like debilitating anxiety and stress of becoming a new parent. Because like you said, the person caring, we're often planning for nine or 10 months in advance. And the other person sometimes is like, you know, humbly dismissive until they see their baby in front of yeah. them. And then it kind of can catch up, especially with lack of sleep. It can catch up. Yeah, let's do that. Well, and I think what happens too is the partner who is not the birthing partner doesn't want to burden the birthing partner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the birthing partner is already going through so many hormonal changes and so many stressors and all these things that they don't want to burden the birthing partner. But it's really going to be even more of a burden if 
postpartum, they have a panic attack and they're unable to help you when you most need it. So I think it's important not only for the birthing partners to hear, but also for us as the birthing person to hear, to understand that we need to really remember our partner here and what they could, they could be going through. Um, and then the other episode that was, it's actually a recent episode, number 112, that was really eye-opening to me. It's all about how to manage your time in each of the five trimesters. And we specifically say five trimesters because we talk about going back to work. And I think it's a really great place. For me, it was awesome <laughs> to just think ahead and know what is going to happen. What can we expect For example, like in our first trimester, it might feel like X in our second trimester. It might feel like Y and on our third trimester, it might feel like Z. And so what can we do in each of those three trimesters? And then the the fourth and fifth as well to combat any sort of stress or to-do list that, you know, fills up because I think so many times birthing persons get pregnant and they feel like, what now? Or like, how do I do all this? I got the nursery to set up. I have the classes to do. I have, you know, the birthing plan. And it's like, holy moly, I can connect it to when I was getting married. And I just had this massive to-do list in my head and I wasn't putting it out on paper and I wasn't organizing it in any kind of way. And finally, my husband was like, what is going on with you? Why are you losing your mind? And I was, I have so much to do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, let's outline this. Let's give every month a job, you know? So, so that's what episode 112 does. It really, it's with Anna Dearman Cornick, who actually is a time management coach and she is phenomenal at what she does. And she gives us specific tools of ways that we can actually manage our time in each trimester so that we feel the most prepared. That is so important to talk about. When my doula clients hire me, they have this welcome letter essentially goes into a Google Drive folder and it's outlined with Amazon wish lists. And then first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, I give them to do lists as if they didn't have enough to do already. Right. (laughs) But it's more like, you know, going, making sure they're going to the chiropractor, doing their yoga stretches, practicing their breathing so that it's not so overwhelming and that we're also not 36 weeks pregnant trying to prepare for all the things like, you know, with maybe one week left to go. So I sort of outline it. Like episode 106 about your partner and episode 112 about time management and these invisible tasks. Ultimately, it's all about communication with your partner and and outlining kind of what's to come so you can get on the same page. Do you focus on preparing for birth at all or mostly for parenting? No, I'd say I focus more on preparing for birth. Okay, excellent. Um, And you know, it'll be interesting to see how the podcast adapts and changes once I do become pregnant and then do become a mom. And I believe while I'm using the term mamas in training, and that's how I've always referred to myself, I'm a mama in training. I'm using it to refer to the time that potentially you're even not pregnant yet, or you're pregnant expecting and, and you're on the journey but I believe that we're always mamas in training. And like, even you, you're like learning how to now co-parent and, and go into this new realm of parenting. Like there's always more for us to learn. So it's nice and, and it'll, it'll develop as my story unfolds. 
Yeah, I love it. I think that anyone who's listening to the Birth Story podcast would really enjoy adding the Mamas in Training podcast to their listening if you are not already, because we have such similar parallels and that it's education through storytelling or education through interviewing and that we're learning from each other in community. So talk to me a little bit about community and how you've built community and why community is so important for women and birthing persons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so there essentially are three pillars, I like to call them, that I've learned after interviewing over 100 women. It's essentially the most important things that I've found women talk about in almost every single episode. And that's advocacy, planning and preparing, and community. And the thing that I like to say when I talk about community is, of course, it's not just who's in the birth room with you or who's going to set up the meal train for you. It's more than that. And I think there's really an essential key to third-party community. And what I mean by third-party community are the people that aren't really connected to you, that don't know the ins and outs of what you're going through. And it's not your immediate friends and family. I think this third-party community gives you a different perspective. And so this can be found in something like a Facebook group. Like you can, we'd love to have you join the Mamas in Training Facebook group where you can connect with people like Anna about time management and learn more from Anna in that in our Facebook group. So things like Facebook groups or things like online support groups, or now we're doing some more in-person support groups, which is great. There's so many lactation groups. There's so many new mom groups, but a place that you can go where women are in your shoes or women have been there in your shoes. And you can know that what you're going through is totally typical, totally normal. And women aren't going to take a preconceived notion of you and your past and your history and give you support based on that advice or that information. And I especially think that this is important for when we're adding a second child or third child into the mix, because from what I've heard, it's like, you know, you get showered. It's all exciting with your first baby. It's so amazing. And then you get the second and maybe you get a sprinkle, (laughs) but it's like, people are like, okay, good luck. You know what you're doing, but this is a whole nother box to unpack, you know, and there's so many other layers to becoming a second or third mom. And so when you're with a third party community, like a Facebook group or an online support group or an in-person support group, people are just as excited as if it's your first, and they're going to celebrate you the same. I think that's important for our heart and our ego, to be honest. I think so too. One of the things I've noticed through 18 years of dueling and the postpartum visits is that it's like the day before you give birth, you're glowing and you're cute and everyone's so excited and they want to talk about everything. Mm -hmm. And then like, I'm not saying they go to the grocery store the next day, but like, let's say on day five, they're going to the grocery store and it's like, you know, um, a lot of times there's this feeling of just like emptiness or feeling not as special or not as like looked upon or doted upon when the womb is empty and the baby is on the outside. And then the focus goes away from the birthing person or the pregnant person to the baby. And so definitely community is a way that can help still kind of lift you up, especially if there's a whole bunch of people in that community that have recently gone through the same thing that 
you're going through. So yeah, I think it's just kind of this idea of like feeling seen, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I see you, I hear you. And even if you're not in a place, like say you're going through something, say you're experiencing postpartum depression or anything, and you join a community, like our Facebook group on mamas in training, you can even post anonymously. Like say you have, you, you are having some really scary thoughts. I mean, I would encourage you to be open and to share it as you are, because we're just going to support you the same, but say you want to post anonymously, there's that tool to do that. And I think just getting things like that off your chest and having people say like, I hear you, I see you, I've been there. It makes a huge difference. It really does. I'm going to give a quick story of the power of community. And that is my doula clients have macro communities and micro communities. And my birth story academy, those who take my online course have a macro community with a Facebook group also. So within these bigger communities and then the smaller communities and the smaller communities are birthing persons that are due in the same month. They live Mm. in the same city and they have the same doulas. So like we have like three main things in common to go from. And my micro communities, there's usually six to eight per month. They get very close and very tight. And just recently, the group of new moms got together And one of the new moms had a postpartum doula at her home and they were all sitting on the couch and talking. They sent photos and things like that. And they were together for two hours. Here's what happened afterwards. I received a call from the postpartum doula saying such and such doesn't seem right. Then I received five text messages from five of the birthing person saying I need you to check in on such and such. She doesn't seem right. But what was the most powerful text was the last one I received, which was directly from such and such saying, I just got together with the community and I am feeling different than everyone else is feeling. So everyone, the good news is, is everyone told on her essentially. Was, yeah. And by told on her, looking out for her to help Supported her. Supported her that way, yeah. But because of community, she was, as a she new mom, she was able to recognize. She had no idea she had severe postpartum depression and anxiety, and she needed immediate help. Mm-hmm. And she had no idea until that community gathering She Mm -hmm. thought that this, I'm a first time parent and I haven't slept. And this is, I guess, how it, how you're supposed to feel. I don't know any different. And her community let her know you need help. And she got help and she's doing great. Oh, that's so amazing. You know, power of community in person, especially Mm -hmm. shortly after, you know, giving birth. Uh, So what do you have planned for this year with Mamas in Training. So what can my audience, who would be new subscribers, what could they look forward to hearing from you on this year? Well, I'll say one actual tactile thing, and then I'll say a hopeful thing. Okay. (laughs) So, So my tactile thing would be, we have, in addition to our Facebook community, we do have a monthly membership that we're, that we're creating and we're building out. And the beauty of it is, the podcast guests that I have every week, 
I invite them to come into our monthly membership. And so we meet at the end. That's like the last Monday, essentially of every month. And it's a place to just further the conversation about whatever topic that podcast host talked about. Sometimes we don't have a podcast host. Sometimes it's just the community of us to get together in an online fashion and share how we are and, and, you know, support each other, just like you mentioned. Um, But the nice thing about the podcast guest is, you know, say we had a conversation like in episode 92 of the podcast, we talked about intrusive thoughts and what happens if you don't fall in love with your baby right away. And it was with Dr. Alice Pickering. And so having Alice come into our meeting, we're able to one-on-one, you know, ask her, I'm experiencing this and what can I do or how can I get support in that? So that's sort of a logistical way that we're furthering our community and supporting mamas from both. We have expecting moms and also seasoned mamas. We have some new mamas, but mamas of like two and three. So they still need the support, you know? And then I would say the upcoming steps, hopefully for, um, the mamas in training podcast and development of it is that, you know, I become an expecting mama in training. And so I imagine that as that happens, my episodes will specifically be related to whatever I experience, you know, cause I connect immediately with anybody who enters my sphere of mamas in training. And I'm asking them, what do you have questions about? What do you want? What do you need? And so I'm using their responses to create my episodes But I think when I experience it myself and go through it one-on-one, you know, of course it'll be a little bit more specific. Uh, So, so yeah, that's, I think what they can look forward to. I love it. Before we close, then I'm going to ask you two questions. The first is Jess, I'm going to put my dual hat on. What do you need right now? How can your community who loves you and follows you, how can they serve you right now? You know, I think the podcast mamas in training has truly it's life giving for me. And in a time of waiting, that's been a little challenging. You know, it's like my own version of a fertility journey. I don't even know if I'm going to have trouble, you know, actually conceiving yet because I haven't been able to start but it's truly been life-giving. And so just by seeing the podcast grow, seeing the community grow, seeing the way that I can help women when I haven't even been there, I mean, that's just truly life-giving. And while I wait to physically give life to something else, the podcast has been, you know, my way to birth, um, you know, lives and birth joy and support and just kind of what's always been ingrained in me. So I would say, you know, if you are an aspiring mom or an expecting mom and you're looking for more support, uh, you know, joining our Facebook community, checking out episode 106 or episode 112 of Mamas in Training, or if you're not sharing it with somebody, you know, because for me, it's just all about seeing the outreach and seeing the connections that I'm making and that change it's changed my life. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to 
be a supporter of you, Jess, and to share and to be a cheerleader for you and hopefully be your virtual doula. I'll manifest that (laughs) out into the world. So you've interviewed a lot of moms in training. And what is the number one baby product from uh, parents that have shared with you that you're like, okay, uh, when I become pregnant, this is definitely going on my baby list. Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm going to have to say two, actually, because one of them is one that I just bought for a friend um, one year, and now it's become like I have to buy it for everybody. Um, And that's the Bajorn Bouncer. Um, And actually, when I was babies, I've babysat for years and years and years. And I took on the task to babysit twins, which I can't believe I did that, but I did. And I survived, but having the Bajoran bouncer and being able to just bounce it with my foot while I was holding the other one, um, was amazing. So I would say that would be number one. Um, and then there's actually a product that I recently came across in this Prego expo that I went to, and it's, (laughs) It's kind of funny, but it's an essential thing for new moms. Um, It's a bodysuit for a baby, essentially like a onesie, but they call it a bodysuit and it's boom, boom, blowout bodysuits. So the boom, boom baby company created these bodysuits that essentially are made with the same material that um, cloth diapers are made out of. And so if a baby has a blowout, the entire backside of the bodysuit is protected under this thick material, but it's also soft and cotton and organic at the same time, but it doesn't leak and it's wow. unreal. And I saw it in person. Um, and I actually have a promo code on the podcast right now um, for 25% off. So it's mama's pod 25, if anyone wants to check it out, but that could be a, um, a nice, you know, shower gift or anything, but just to navigate those blowouts. <laughs> Very cool. I haven't heard about that product. So I think we're going to list all of these different things in the show notes. So the podcast episodes and the products, speakers that you spoke about also, so that if you are digging into this episode with me with Jess and you're like, but I need all these different, I need to go down the rabbit hole of now stocking all these different pieces. We're going to make it easy for you and put it all in the show notes. So, um, Jess, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Heidi. You're welcome. And I am very excited for a podcast swap. And I'm now inviting myself onto your podcast. So I would also love to. I was going to ask you anyway, so it's already done. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) make sure you join so you can see, you can hear Heidi's episode. (laughs) I know. I'm like, and I'll see you soon on my episode. Absolutely. um, Have a great day, Jess. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. Okay, I have a really amazing discount for you guys with AnjaHealth.com. So it's A-N-J-A-Health.com. They are my exclusive partner for cord blood and tissue banking. If you've listened to episode 88 of the podcast where I interview the CEO, Catherine Cross, all about cord blood and tissue banking and the 1,000 questions that I had, my child has cerebral palsy, 
from a birth injury. I cannot go back in time. It is one of my greatest regrets. So I partner with Anja Health because I'm so passionate about cord blood and tissue banking, and I really want to teach you guys all about it. Code Birth Story gives you the biggest discount that there is available, and they are committed to Birth Story always being the biggest discount. So right now, it makes your kit only $20, which essentially covers shipping. So it's $180 off with Code Birth Story. So please consider cord blood and tissue banking. Look at AnjaHealth.com. Again, it's A-N-J-A Health. Dot com. And if you are going to bank your cord blood and tissue, then please use code birth story. So you get the biggest and best discount that is available. 